Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Is anyone excited to be at church this morning? You know, some of you are glad that you came to church because you needed that reminder that Mother's Day is one week away. So get the card, get the gift, get the plans, get the dinner ready, or send the text to the siblings, what are we doing for mom? I was at the grocery store uh, last, uh, yesterday with Annie, and we walked by the greeting card section. <clears throat> And Annie says, ooh, I should pick out a, get, a card for mom. So I said, yeah, go over there, look. And I try to direct her to the 99 cent section, which is like, it's like way down here. It's like this big, right, way down here. And then you got the rest of the section, right? 7.99, 8.99, and you, you know how much greeting cards cost. And so she didn't take my advice, but she's worth it. So we got the, got the, got the greeting card. And Annie comes home and puts it right on the counter and says, do not look in this bag. So we're all set for Mother's Day at my house. Well, today's message is about prayer. We're continuing uh, this firm foundation series, and today it's about prayer. And I want to start with one verse in Luke chapter 11. Verse 1, it says this, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, because Jesus had a pattern, a rhythm of praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him, and after months and years of following him, they asked him this. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus didn't say, well, just talk to God. He didn't say, that's a silly question. No, he actually taught them to pray. And that's what I hope to accomplish this morning. My prayer for you is that you will learn how to pray because here's what I believe. I believe that prayer is a learned skill and you can learn to enjoy and love. And I believe you can fall in love with prayer. And I think that that's God's will for you. I hope that's what we accomplish here this morning. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the minutes and moments we share. And Lord, our prayer, it's the same as the disciples had for you. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. So speak to us and don't just let us hear, but let us apply it to our lives, whatever it looks like. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Have you ever struggled to pray? Have you ever kind of felt like, well, I know I should pray. I know I need to pray. I know it would be good to pray. I believe in prayer, but... Well, I start praying and then 35 seconds later, I'm thinking about something else. I'm thinking about the grocery list. I'm thinking about that person I forgot to reply to. I'm thinking about what I gotta get done for tonight. And so, so often we plan on praying or it's our desire. We know that we should pray, but it just, well, it doesn't get done. And I actually think praying is kind of like working out. We believe that working out is a good thing to do. We know that there's benefit from working out, but we tried it and we didn't see the results. We felt like we weren't doing it right. <clears throat> and we know that some people can pray for an hour and we're like, that's great for them. And maybe we're a little bit envious. Just like we know that some people can run for an hour or do CrossFit for an hour and they got to tell us about it. <laughs> and we're a little bit envious of them as well. And we just kind of feel like, I'm just not very good at prayer. And in fact, I think that Hollywood actually taps into this. There's uh, maybe some movies that you can think of where there's kind of an awkward prayer scene. Or maybe you remember being at someone's house and um, you weren't really a great prayer, but they said, all right, we're gonna say grace. And you kind of looked around like, how do we do this? What do we do? Uh, maybe you remember awkward prayer stories as a kid. Uh, obviously, I grew up in church. I grew up in youth group. And I remember the circle prayer. 
Anyone else remember this? Where you're gonna take hands, and as soon as the teacher said to take hands, I'm immediately thinking, who do I not want to hold hands with? And who do I want to hold hands with? So I gotta position myself strategically in this prayer circle. And then the teacher said, all right, I'm gonna start, and then the teacher takes all the good prayer material, and so you're thinking, well, what am I gonna say now that they took all the prayer material? They, 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 they took all the good stuff. And so when it comes to me, have you ever done this, right? Squeeze your hands when it comes to you. And so I remember the first time I had this, I'm waiting for the squeeze to come to my hand. And as soon as it gets to me, I squeeze it and I send that sucker all the way around. I don't got anything. You took all the good material. Sometimes we have recited prayers. Um, and I think that there's nothing wrong at all with a recited prayer. Uh, but I will say that some of the recited prayers are a little peculiar, um, maybe even a little unsettling. Have you ever heard this one? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. Like, wait, what? Like, you're gonna say this to like your five-year-old? All right, sleep well tonight, sweet dreams. <laughs> I think that literally Metallica came up with that prayer and people just <laughs> stuck in... But like I said, I think even Hollywood taps into this. And maybe you've seen a movie that has an awkward prayer scene, kind of like this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation and indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And we thank you, O oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. <laughs> we struggle to pray. It could feel awkward to pray, but here's the truth about prayer. God, I believe it's his will that you fall in love with prayer that you don't view it as an obligation, that you don't view it as a checklist. If I'm a good Christian, I gotta do it, but that you fall in love with prayer. And I think that what people need, including myself, this is my own story, is I needed tools. I needed to learn how to pray. And I hope that today in this message, I can give you some tools that will help you learn how to pray. But with everything, it's not just the hearing, it's the application. So I hope that you have an application to your prayer life this week that's gonna help you. And, and here's the truth. When you start learning to do something, it can, be, it can be intimidating. In fact, the first time when you're learning to do something, you probably weren't great at it. In fact, I remember not too long ago, I remember the first time I was swinging a golf club. As I got ready to swing that golf club, I wish I had a prop. I should have brought my clubs over here. But the point is, when you're learning to do something, it's, it's not very pretty. It's kind of awkward. You're like, am I even doing this right? And then you hit the ball, or you try to hit the ball, and then you know you're not doing it right. But as you learn how to do it, and I think it's, it's kind of like, you learn how to do it, and you, oh, you fall in love with it. And I think that's God's will that we would fall in love with prayer. So how do we learn how to pray? How do we learn how to pray? Are you ready? I'm gonna give you the secret to learn how to pray. We follow the pattern in scripture. In scripture, it gives us models to pray, and that's how we learn how to pray. 
We look to scripture as our guide, as scripture as, the, as our example, and we use the models of prayer we see in scripture, and that's how we learn how to pray. When Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he taught what we call the Lord's Prayer. Now, when I say, when I recite the words of the Lord's Prayer, it takes me 23 seconds. I don't think that God only wants me to pray for 23 seconds a day. I think that God probably wants to connect with me for more than 23 seconds a day. And so Jesus wasn't saying, say these exact words, memorize these and say these exact words. What Jesus said is in this manner, pray, or after this model, pray. And so we use the model to pray. And if you look in the back, if you have your firm foundation notebook, or if you wanna pull it up uh, on the website, the downloadable PDF, if you look at the very back, there is a model of the Lord's Prayer. In fact, when we have a prayer service at Family Church, we, we walk through the model of the Lord's Prayer when we have it up on the screen as one example of how to pray. And I wanna encourage you, if you want to pray the Lord's Prayer model, you can open up your notebook this week and you can pray through. And that's one way, one model that you can learn how to pray. And I, I wanna show you my key verse for today. And it's this, it's Ephesians 6.18. And Ephesians 6.18 says this, it says, pray in the spirit in every situation, use every kind of prayer and request there is. So what scripture is telling us about prayer is that you should pray all the time. Every occasion. You're not just praying in the morning when you wake up. You're not just praying before a meal. You're not just praying before you go to bed. You're going to pray throughout the day. That's one thing that it's telling us. Another thing it's telling us is that you use every kind of prayer there is. And so there's different models. There are different kinds of prayer that we see in scripture. And we should pray some of those different kinds, some of those different models of prayer. And we need these, we need these tools to help us to, to learn how to pray. And I want you to think about prayer kind of like this. Do you have a friend, a close person that you text throughout the day? Throughout the day, I'm gonna text Lauren, right? I'm gonna say, hey, have a good day at work. I'm gonna say, hey, what did you have for lunch? I mean, we talk about food a lot. I don't know if any other couples do that, but I just, I just, I just, we just talk about food, <laughs> right? I'm gonna say, hey, what time are you coming home? Hey, how's work going? Who are you, who's at work today? Well, you know, who are you working? And we just talk throughout the day. Hey, I'm going to this meeting. This is what I have going on. Hey, I'm on my way home. And we have this conversation throughout the day. And I think that prayer can kind of be like that. You can pray on your way to work. You can pray before you send that text or that email. You can pray before you step into that meeting and you can have these short kind of one sentence prayers conversation with God. And, and if you did this, I'm gonna tell you what would happen. You would learn to enjoy prayer more. It wouldn't feel like this obligation. It would feel like, well, I'm, I'm walking with God. I'm, I'm, I'm connecting with God throughout my day because it doesn't feel like work for me to text Lauren throughout the day. I do it because I love her and I like to connect with her. And it's the exact same way with our heavenly father. It's not gonna feel like work. You're doing it because you love him, because he loves you and you wanna connect with him throughout the day. So maybe what it looks like to connect with God, to pray in, in all occasions, is just to, to have these short prayers throughout the day. One of the prayers that I pray every single day, one of the types of prayers is I pray Psalm 23 every single day. I pray it when I'm outside. I pray it when I'm at car loop. So when I'm at car loop picking up the kids from school, I'll, I'll be looking around, you know, I'll be outside and I will pray Psalm 23. Sometimes if I'm going for a walk outside or I step outside, I pray Psalm 23. If I'm feeling stressed, if I'm worried, if I'm anxious, if I'm just like carrying around these concerns of, uh, of, uh, of, of stress and trying to navigate and, and, and feeling uneasy, feeling attention, I will pray Psalm 23. And I can't get past the first couple verses of that without feeling God's peace on, on the situation, right? The Lord is my shepherd. 
I lack nothing. You start praying, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, what, is the sh- what does that mean? He's my sh- he speaks to me. He guides me. He takes care of me. He provides all that I need. Right? He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. All of a sudden, I- I'm praying Psalm 23, and I'm reminding myself of who God is over my situation. And I'm starting to have God's peace in my heart and my mind over whatever my day is, whatever I'm going through. So one of the patterns that I pray is I pray Psalm 23. And here's the truth. Some people, they pray when they feel like they need something and they will go to God kind of like a vending machine. And they've heard, well, I've heard that God gives peace. So they will go to God like a vending machine and they will press the peace button as if God will dispense peace. Now, the truth is this. God is Jehovah Shalom. That means he is the God of peace. He is the Prince of peace. So if you want God's peace, you can't approach him as a vending machine to press the button. You know what you do? You just, you just be with him. You just, you just, you're just with him. And if you are with him, what you, will you experience? You will experience his peace over your heart and your mind. You can't just approach him and press the button, but if you are with him, if you're walking with him, then you will experience his peace that surpasses all understanding because he doesn't dispense peace. He is peace. You don't go to God when you need something because he's your provider. He is, so you stay with him and he provides what you need. That's how we approach him. Now, if we look to God for our here's the truth. Let me put it this way. If you have your hope and your financial prosperity in your bank account, if that is your main source of safety and confidence, then when your wealth is in jeopardy, when things feel unshaky and you cry out to God, all you're really doing is just you're worrying in God's direction. But, but if you connect with God, if you allow God, if you walk with God, then prayer can put things in proper perspective and he can bring you rest, he can bring you peace, he can bring you security. And I want you to think about this. What if you gave God a little bit more of your day, a little bit time of your day? What if you gave God just a sliver more, saying, God, I'm gonna commit to pray to you at these times of my day. Whatever that time is for you on your commute, you're gonna get up a little bit earlier. You're gonna pause at this time in the afternoon on break time. If you, what if you gave God a sliver of your day and God filled that sliver of time with his presence, with his hope, with his peace, with his love, with his joy, with his comfort, with his contentment? Wouldn't that be the bargain of a lifetime? That's what he wants to do. That's his plan for you and for me to fill those parts of our lives with, with his spirit. That's what God wants. Here's my main idea, and I take it from Ephesians 6.18. Here's our main idea. If you're taking notes, our main idea is this. Pray always and always. It's simple. Pray always and always. Throughout our days, we're gonna be praying. We're gonna find different models, different types of prayers. We pray always and always. And in the closing time that we have together, in the 75 minutes we have left, I'm gonna give you a model of prayer And I'm gonna give you my favorite way to pray. A pastor taught me this and I took notes. And when I'm praying, I don't pray this every day, but multiple times throughout the week, I open up my notebook to this prayer and I pray it. And it is my absolute favorite way to pray. So I feel a little bit like I'm taking someone like to my favorite restaurant. Like we're going to Joe's and you can get the Rocket Pig or the Z-Man. And we're just gonna, I'm just gonna see how, how you like it. And if you don't like this model of prayer, if, you, if, if we get to Joseph and you didn't like the Z-Man or the Rocket Pig, I, don't tell me because I don't think my heart could handle that. <laughs> this is one of my favorite, my favorite way 
to pray. And the context of this prayer, it's actually found in the Old Testament. And uh, in the Old Testament, we know that Moses freed with, with, with God's power, right? He freed the people out of Egypt and Israel goes and they are walking in freedom. They cross the Red Sea. They come to Mount Sinai. They receive the 10 commandments. And from there, they are supposed to go to the promised land, uh, which is a few days journey. And if you are familiar with your Bible, you know that it didn't take them a few days. It took them 40 years. And they're wandering around circles around the Arabian Peninsula, modern day Saudi Arabia. And through this time of wandering, they have what is called a portable temple, a portable church. And we, the term is a tabernacle. Tabernacle is a, is a churchy sounding word. What it was, it was the portable temple. When it's built permanently, that's the temple. But when it's portable, they called it the tabernacle. And what I'm going to share with you is the tabernacle prayer. And so if you're taking notes, I would love for you to follow along. It's seven steps, seven steps to uh, the tabernacle prayer. And here's why I think you're going to love this tabernacle prayer uh, so much. Uh, Exodus 25, eight and nine, it says this, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Not so that I can be in, not, not so that I can do it, but I can live. That's what God wants. He wants to live with you. He wants to be a part of you. He wants to be a part of your life. He, that, that's his desire. So I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly to the pattern I will show you. So we're gonna walk through the furnishings of the tabernacle, but this pattern was specific and the pattern was designed to enter into God's presence, to connect with God, to build a relationship with God. And here's the truth. God loves you and he wants to connect with you. Sometimes we treat God like he's our celestial Santa Claus, right? Like we got the checklist. When, when, when something comes up and need God, we, we, we need this, we want this, but... He doesn't want to be like Santa Claus. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to be in a growing relationship with you. And if you're thinking, all right, Old Testament, like shouldn't we pray like the New Testament? Um, Jesus did change everything. Jesus changed everything. But there are patterns that God created that he still honors. And Jesus even came to say, I didn't came to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And so we're going to follow the pattern of the tabernacle prayer as one way to pray. Pray in all kinds of of situation, all kinds of prayers. Exodus 33, 11, and this is why I think you're gonna love the tabernacle prayer so much. Inside the tent of meeting, Exodus 33, 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And if this ever happens to you, if you are praying and this ever happens to you, you know what's gonna happen? You will never need a pastor. You will never need anyone to ever tell you to pray again because you will fall in love with prayer. That is exactly what God wants for you, to fall in love with prayer, this time of connection with him, where you're talking to him and you're sharing your heart and he's drawing near to you and he's bringing your comfort and he's speaking to you and he's guiding you and he's encouraging you. That's what he wants to, 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 to meet with you, to talk to you face to face as a friend talks to a friend. So here's the seven steps to the tabernacle prayer. Number one, the outer court, and step one is give God thanks. It's the outer court of the tabernacle, and step one is to give God thanks, to give God thanks. Before you ask God for anything, what do we do first? We thank him for what he's already done. It's filling your heart up with gratitude. What would it look like if you started each day with gratitude? What would it look like if the first words out of your mouth in the morning were thanking? God, thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God, thank you for my health. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my home. Thank you for this coffee. And just giving God thanks. Gratitude means what I have is enough. 
If you want contentment, if you feel like you're always kind of searching for more and looking on to the next chapter, what if you started each day with gratitude and God started bringing peace and contentment into your heart like you've never experienced before? That's God's will for your life, that contentment that he wants to bring into your life. Gratitude means what I have is enough. Can we pause three seconds and just give God thanks for what he's already done? Before we ask him for anything else, we can say, God, thank you for what you've already given to me. Psalm 100 verse four says it like this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. As if to say the passcode, the password for entering into God's presence for approaching him is, is thanks and praise because he deserves it. And it's a reminder for us to be thankful. Over and over again, we see this theme of scripture of being thankful, of giving thanks, of gratitude, of being, of being thankful. Step one, we give God thanks. Step two was the brazen altar. And this is where we focus on the cross. Step two is the brazen altar, this part of the tabernacle. And the point of this is that we focus on the cross. We focus on the cross and what was accomplished there. At the brazen altar, you would see blood. The brazen altar was this area where they would do the animal sacrifices and you would see blood. And it was a reminder that for you to be forgiven of your sins, something had to die. Now, aren't you thankful we don't have to kill animals anymore? But for you to be forgiven of your sins, did something have to die? Well, someone had to die. The perfect, sinless, spotless lamb had to die. And as we focus on the cross, we remember, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. The only reason we can approach Jesus in prayer, the only reason we can approach God in prayer is because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Because of that, Hebrews says it like this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with, what is it? Confidence. We can pray with confidence. We can come before God confidently because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of the cross, we can have confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4.16. There's five benefits of the cross that I wanna show you that I, that I pray when I'm praying through this part of the, the prayer. And yes, the cross was forgiveness of sins, but it was so much more than that. And in Psalm uh, 103, it tells us of the fivefold benefits of the cross. And so I wanna show it to you here. Starting at verse two in Psalm 103, it says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's what we're doing at this part of the prayer. We're reminding ourselves of the benefits of the cross, who forgives all your sins. And I thank God for forgiveness. Number two, he heals all your diseases. And this is the part of the prayer where I am praying for healing for those in my life, those in my circle that need healing. I've been praying for Baker and Baker's surgery went good and he's on the mend and he's recovering. Thank you, God, for healing my son. I've been praying for my mom. I know a lot of you have been praying for my mom. My mom has been in a lot of pain for years. I've been praying for my mom. By the blood of Jesus, there is healing power in the blood. I'm praying healing for my mom. I'm praying for healing for other requests that I know. And I'm praying God brings healing, not just to our physical body, all of our diseases. And so I pray for, for that, that healing of our emotional health and our mental health. And I'm praying God's healing over the, the, the family church and those in my circle and my friends. So he heals all our diseases. Benefit number three, he redeems your life from the pit. Psalm 40 tells us that he picks us up out of the muck and the mire and he sets us on a solid rock. This is my story. I pause at this point and I remember where my life was. When I was calling the shots, when I was running my own life, my life was a train wreck. 
It was, everything was, was destroyed. And I remember that God redeemed my life. When I put my trust in him, he picked me up. And, I, and, I, and this is not false humility. I, I'm nothing without God. I'm not. I'm broken. I'm lonely. I'm empty. I'm full of sorrow. I'm full of despair. But because God picked me up, he redeemed my life. He brought purpose. He brought love. He brought joy. He brought peace. That's a story of redemption. That's what God wants to do. That beautiful redemption that the cross provides. He redeems us. He redeems us. Uh, the next one is he crowns you with love and compassion. God crowns you with love and compassion. That's one of the benefits of the cross that he crowns you. He brings into your life love and compassion. And then the last one, he satisfies your desires with good things. This is blessing. One of the benefits of the cross is blessing, the blessing that God brings on our life. And I take a moment to, to think about the blessings and to thank God for his blessings, that your, renewth, that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And so at this part of the prayer, I'm, I'm praying through these five benefits of the cross. Number three is the laver, the laver. And at this part of the tabernacle, at the laver, you would see your reflection. At the laver, you would see your reflection. And this is a part of the prayer where you offer yourself to God. You offer yourself to God. And uh, at this part um, of the prayer, I, I, I offer myself to God. And this is what I do. I start at my head and I go all the way down. I say, God, I give you my mind. Let me think thoughts that are true, that are lovely, that are noble, that are pure, that are excellent, right? God, help me to renew my mind and make my thoughts captive, obedient to the truth of your word. God, I give you my eyes. Let me not look upon anything with pride or lust or jealousy or envy. Lord, help me to see as you see. God, I wanna see people the way you see them. Lord, I give you my mouth. May I speak words of life and not death. May my words encourage and build up others. May I not slander anyone. I, I give you my hands. May I live open-handed today. God, help me to, 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 to serve others. Help me to live generously. Help me to be about the work that you've called me to do. God, I give you my feet. May I step and, and walk in the path that you have for me, not going off to the right, to the left. Thank you that you're with me, that you go before me. And I say, God, I offer myself to you. Just my, my whole body, like, let me be an instrument of righteousness for you. And if you're thinking, Kyle, why do you do that? Because Romans 12.1 says this, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And I think that God meant it literally when he said that. And when you do this, this is your spiritual act of worship. On my own, on my flesh, I can get myself into all kinds of trouble and hurt all types of people, do all types of selfish things. But if I'm surrendering and I'm, if I'm offering my body to God, did you know that God can use me for all types of amazing purposes that he has to build his kingdom, to help others, to serve others, to make a difference in the lives of others? And I pray this, Psalm 139, and this is a great prayer. If you pray this prayer, God will answer this prayer. I pray this, God, search me and know me, test me, know my anxious thoughts. Lord, if there's any offensive way in me, would you show it? Would you, would you show me and would you remove it and lead me in the way of everlasting? God will answer this prayer. He'll show you that. And we all have it. We got those areas. That's step number three. Step number four is the candlestick. And the candlestick, uh, this is the Holy Spirit. The fire, the flame represents. And so with the candlestick, I invite the Holy Spirit into my life. Number four, I invite the Holy Spirit into my life. And the candlestick, it looked like that Jewish menorah, that seven-pronged uh, candle. 
And, and the truth is this, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, God is in heaven. Jesus' work on the cross is done. That's why he's seated in heaven next to God the Father. So who is right here with us on earth? It's his Holy Spirit. And so I invite the Holy Spirit into my life. And I, I believe that the, the seven the seven candles, right? It's the sevenfold Holy Spirit. And I wanna show you in, in Isaiah, it talks about the seven parts of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I ask for, that God would fill, him, fill me up with the Holy Spirit. And it's this right here, Isaiah 11 two, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom, and I ask God for wisdom for decisions that I need. Wisdom to be a good dad, right? <laughs> wisdom to lead, I need his wisdom. For understanding, God help me to understand those things that I don't currently understand. Help me to know, help me to understand. The Spirit of counsel, God I gotta make some decisions. God, help me to be my counselor. And then the spirit of my, God, I'm afraid. I, God asked me to do sometimes the things that I'm, I'm scared to do. God, I need your might. I need your courage because, man, on my own, I'm a coward. I don't have the strength to do it. So I asked for his, his might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And I say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. And, and if you're thinking, okay, if I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill me up, what's gonna happen? What will my life look like if I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me up? This is what your life will look like. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is you'll have a life that's full of love, that's full of joy, that's full of peace, that's full of patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the life that God has planned for you. If your life is not full of these things yet, that just means that God is still working in your life. But if you wonder, if I surrendered my, what, what's God wanna do in my life? What's my life gonna look like? This is what God wants to bring into your life. This is the picture that he wants to do in your life. When the Holy Spirit is alive and active, the spirit of the living God is alive and active, you speaking to you, leading you, guiding you, giving you wisdom, giving you strength, this is what your life is gonna look like. Giving you the desire and the, and the power to do what pleases him, this is what your life is gonna look like. Anyone wanna sign up for that? That's what I want. That's what I want. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Step number five. Number five is the table of showbread. And at this part in the tabernacle, they would actually have a table of bread on it. And it would be a freshly baked bread. Anyone love the smell of freshly baked bread? We went to Texas Roadhouse on, what would not know? Was that Thursday night this week? We went to Texas Roadhouse on Thursday night. And man, my son, he can eat rolls about, rolls about like that. He doesn't got any teeth, but he can still eat those rolls. He wouldn't eat it without the butter though. You gotta put the butter on it. And then he was, he was putting those rolls down. <laughs> the table is the living bread of God's word. And at the table, we read God's word and let God speak to me. And if you're thinking, wait a second, I thought I was praying. You're talking about reading your Bible. Yes, I have my Bible open when I'm praying because I wanna meditate on the word of God. And I, don't, I don't just wanna speak to God. I want God to speak to me, right? Uh, imagine um, if I had uh, time to talk to uh, like the, the CEO or, or, or Clark Hunt, right? If I'm in a meeting with Clark Hunt, I'm gonna go talk to Clark Hunt. Am I gonna talk the whole time or am I gonna let Clark Hunt talk to me? Well, I want Clark Hunt to talk to me. It's the same thing when we're with God. We wanna pause a little bit. We wanna get to give God some time to talk to us. And, he, and the, the, the best way he talks to us is through his, his words. So I have my Bible out during this time. And I usually focus on one verse for that day to, to, to meditate on and think about, God, how do you want me to apply this to my life? Matthew 4, 4 says this, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then Ephesians 6, verse 10 Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take the word of God with you wherever you go. So five, I'm, I have God's word with me and I'm, I'm reading it and I have the Bible open. And then step six, we're almost there. 
is the altar of incense. And the altar of incense, it's all about worshiping his name. The altar of incense, we worship his name. Incense is in the Bible, Old Testament and New. Incense is a picture of what we give to God. It's a picture, it's a, it's a symbol of worship, what we give back to God. And how do we worship God? I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. The way that we worship God is his names. We magnify his names. We praise and we worship his names. And an incense was a sweet fragrance, a sweet fragrance rising up to God. Think Bed Bath & Beyond, Bath & Body Works. It's that sweet fragrance that's pleasing to God. And if you're thinking, wait a second, didn't we praise him at the beginning like with the Thanksgiving? Well, praise is thanking him for what he's done. Worship is magnifying his name, speaking his names. And if you don't know the names of God, I would encourage you, write them down. Memorize some of the names of God so you know they're, they're his character, they're who he is. Well, what are the names of God? Well, he's our peace, Jehovah Shalom. He's the Prince of Peace. What are, what are the other names of God? Well, he's our provider, Jehovah Jehovah. He, he's our provider. Well, he's our righteousness. He gives us right standing. Or he's our healer. Or he's our sanctifier. He's our salvation. He's our rock. All of these are the names of God. He's our, he's our healer. He's our shepherd. He's our strength, and I, and I just pray God's names. And, and usually at this part of my prayer, I, I, I sing a little bit, a worship song comes to mind, and I start worshiping a little bit. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. No, the truth is I can't sing, but I can worship. And I just spend some minutes, a little bit of time worshiping his name and reminding myself of who he is. And you know what the beautiful thing is? When you remind yourself of God's names, you know what happens? God gets bigger, you're magnifying him, and you know what gets smaller? My problems, my worries, my stress, the things that I'm carrying. That's why this part of prayer is so important. We magnify his name. Proverbs 18.10 says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. If you don't know what to pray, pray the name of Jesus. If, you, if you're ever in a situation where you don't know what to pray, pray the name of Jesus. He'll move in your direction. And then lastly, the very final step of the tabernacle, after all these furnishings and you're at the end, the, the end of the pattern, it was, that was where the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God. And what do you do? What do you do when you're at the presence of God? And, and the truth is that you, you intercede for others. After you've done all these other steps, you start praying for others. And I pray for my family and I pray for Lauren and I pray for my kids. And I pray for my mom and dad. And I pray for family church. And I pray for my, my, my friends that don't know Jesus. And I pray that God will bring the day of salvation. And I pray for so many people I know. There's people in, in town that when I pass their house, every single time I pass their house, I pray for them. And you're like, well, how do I get on that list? Let me know and I'll, and I'll add you to the list. How do I get off that list? You can't. Once you're on, you're stuck on the list. And I'm praying for people and you're like, well, where do you get that? Where's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse one says this. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. So I'm praying for leaders so that we can live a peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. In February of 2020, I started a prayer list of things I was praying for family church. 
And I was praying for God that he would help us to reach more people than ever before. We had one service at that time. Has God answered that prayer? I pray that God would send us, hey, send us some, some more servers on the team. God, send us the leaders. We need leaders at your church to serve and to build your church. God, will you give us powerful stories of life change that people will share their testimony of life change and they will give praise and honor to you. God, will you give us open doors to preach the gospel and open hearts to receive it? God, will you give us unity, a unified church? God, will you, get, will you provide provision and help people to give generously to your church? God, would you bring the day of salvation to the lost and, and the day of sanctification, the next steps to, to your people? This is, I started praying this in February of 2020. Now, I don't know if you've been here very long, but if you've been here for a while, as I was saying that list, you probably think, well, yep, God's answered some of those prayers. I should have been praying for a bigger building. I wasn't. I guess I didn't have enough faith. It's on my prayer list now. It just wasn't back then, over three years ago. We were just doing one service. I didn't realize. I didn't see it all then. James 4, 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, prayer, it's not about outcomes. It's not about that vending machine of receiving. It's about God's presence. It's about his presence. It's about a willing choice to be with the Father. And when you draw near to him, he draws near to you and it it changes things. And you know what the number one thing prayer changes? It's you. It's me. And if you're thinking, I don't know if I can pray this. Just give it a try. I I don't even pray this prayer every day because it does take a little bit of time. But give it a shot. Give it a try. Wake up a little bit earlier. Find some time in your day, whether it's this prayer or the Lord's prayer or another model of prayer. If you want to fall in love with prayer, give it a try. Take that application next step and you'll you'll be amazed at, at what God does. See, we dream of bringing heaven to earth And God dreams of praying people to share heaven with. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. What would it look like for you to take just a sliver of your day and dedicate it to God and focus prayer? And what if God just replaced that sliver with with all of the, the good things of his presence and his spirit that he wanted to give into your life? It would be the bargain of a lifetime, wouldn't it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, we ask that you will teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Lord, as we, as we seek to take our next step in, in learning how to pray and praying in all kinds and in all ways, Lord, we ask that you will just bless it, that you will honor it, and that as we draw near to you, you, you draw near to us. Thank you, Lord. And I pray for the person here that maybe they need to make a decision for you. They want to experience that day of salvation. The scripture says, Lord, you said in your word that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you wanna make that decision this morning, that's what it looks like. It's that decision to trust God, to make him Lord and say, God, I've tried things my own way and now I wanna put my trust in you. I believe in you. If you declare Jesus is Lord, believe that in your heart, you will be saved. You can make that decision today and you can be confident that you'll spend eternity with God in heaven. And he begins a relationship with you today, the spiritual journey of following Jesus that is the blessed life. There's no better decision you could ever make. 
Amen, amen, amen. It, a lot of this is about tools, and I want to give you a couple tools. Hopefully you had your notebook. If you didn't, if you just go to familychurch.xyz slash notes, you can see the whole tabernacle prayer there. I also want to point out three apps. I have all three of these apps on my phone. I do not use them every day, but I have used them as a tool to help learn how to pray. The Pray First app has the tabernacle prayer, the Lord's prayer, the prayer of Jabez and others. And if, you, if you're in your car and you're thinking, hey, I pray on my commute, the Pray First app might be a great app for you because it will walk you through the Lord's prayer and it will help you pray it in any, any situation uh, in your headphones or just on your audio. Um, the Lectio 360 app has tremendous guided prayers in the morning and at night. And it's an app that I've used to, to help my prayer time and as a, as a tool, as a resource. And then Church Home has guided prayers. So three apps that you can use as a possible tool to, to help you in your prayer time. And as we learn how to pray, I just, I just know that God will, will bless it and as we, as we give that, t- that time and our attention to, to him. Well, thank you so much for being here. We hope to see you next week for Mother's Day uh, and uh, we love you. God bless you.